Greetings, Commanders. This special episode of Lave Radio is the continuation of an ongoing discussion regarding the Lave Radio Network and the AEDC. Please be aware that the audio quality in places is not particularly good. We have cleaned it up as best as we can. Apologies for that. Greetings, Commanders. Uh, it's Alan Stroud here, Lave Station Commander, and tonight we've got a small special feature for you. This is a follow-up to episode 205, where on the show we discuss the current situation regarding Lave Radio Network and the Alliance and the circumstances around the background simulation and how Lave has now become an independent system. One of the things in that conversation we found was that uh, we had representatives from some of the different groups, but we weren't able to be joined by representatives from the AEDC. And I'm delighted this evening that to, as I say, follow up from the conversation on the show, I'm joined by Mangal Omi, who is here to represent the AEDC. Welcome, Mangal. Thank you very much, Alan. And it's Mangal Omi. <laughs> <laughs> so Omi, I completely pronounced wrong, right? How should it be said? It's Mungo Umi. Umi, right, fine, okay. So that uh, that clears that up. I will <laughs> either revise that or I will... Uh, yeah, it'll be fine. We'll deal with that in the edit. Okay. Uh, so the, the circumstances of the discussion that we had in episode 205, we were able to get a few different viewpoints. But very specifically, being the fact that um, the AEDC are one of the main factions that wants to see Lave return to the Alliance. Um, what things didn't we cover and what would you like to, you know, to talk about in relation to uh, the ADEC themselves? Because as, you know, as we've talked about a little bit, um, some of our listeners don't know your group. Yeah, and I think that's actually something that we have ourselves a little bit to blame for. We're absolutely terrible at communication. Um, we usually either overdo it or don't do it at all. Uh, first of all, I'd like to say that um, I was actually really genuinely appreciative of um, the way episode 205 went. I mean, obviously it was, you know, talking about a group that wasn't represented, even uh, some of our allies. But I thought the, uh, the way things were described was very fair. Um, at the same time, fair in the sense of you know there was a, a, a good attempt to you know not go overboard or be too one-sided but it was also very um strange to listen to it of the sort of perceptions that people had about our group and our motivations in lave and elsewhere uh, just you know it's kind of a strange to look in a mirror where mm. it kind of distorts if you know what i mean yeah so, absolutely so we really appreciated the invitation at the time we couldn't manage it I myself was on a business trip and others that are let's say you know comfortable in various languages we have members all over the world and not everybody mm -hmm. is comfortable getting on the sh on a show like this and um was just really happy that we could take make this happen on uh you know a more convenient time for everybody Okay, so let's start then by, um, tell us a little bit about the AEDC. Um, let's see if we can rectify the record. Um, what's the group about and um, what's their, their particular um, objective in Elite Dangerous? Yeah, so what I'd like to do is sort of describe a little bit the history, the origins and you know how that affected our gameplay and how 
in many ways our gameplay hasn't changed even though the game has somewhat changed around us so um it started with a couple of groups a, a group of people that already knew each other during the um beta forums and were um you know specifically allied alliance and specifically focused on the background simulation that was promised to be part of the game but none of that went really live until the game went properly live um and we had uh, the so-called kanex call in uh, december of 2014 where essentially the the adc was created where a bunch of people were motivated specifically by you know pushing alliance faction to grow the alliance as a superpower um, and do that specifically through the manipulation of the background simulation through you know doing missions um, uh, combat bonds bounties whatever it is that makes that work um, and at the very beginning this was entirely a black box i think sometimes it's a little bit forgotten but there was no manual whatsoever basically mm. this thing ran and there was balancing happening throughout the first year so it, like often what works you know in the first couple of weeks you just figured something out tried something in a test system uh, that had no traffic and very low population try something out okay yeah this works and you know then a patch would come out and or sometimes even completely like because it was a server patch only you know without any warning or something it would just change you know there was a time mm. uh, especially in the first year sort of middle to the end of the first year where it was so unbalanced you know things flipped you know 70 percent um even systems like lasty uh, that's how it originally flipped from alliance to um independent was during this time where you know even during wartime it would just you know, flip back and forth um through either very little effort or then too much effort or then something worked again something didn't work again um so we've helped write the guide if you know what i mean and uh but it's kind of difficult to understand is how literally we take the bgs i think one of the things that we often do in our um you know sort of outside communication is we put justifications for our actions into mm -hmm. you know sort of lower patterns um and we think we're really smart with it and then they usually backfire or get like really <laughs> terrible reactions um but you know they're actually just genuine attempts to create stories within the game mm. you know, as a group what we really feel is sometimes a bit of a mischance is how a lot of these bgs movements are missed um mm. whether it's player group or simply you know the state of of superpowers that you know bypass a lot of the players just just like that mm. um Whereas for us, it's really the core of the game. We're like, you know, if I was thinking about this the other day, like how do I explain this? But we're a 100% BGS group. Um, we've done like in the time that I've been with the group, which is now easily three years or so, um, we've had three outings, like to <laughs> a Guardian site where it was, and I saw one Thargoid site that was the dead one. Where we just mm. sort of like, hey, this is kind of cool. Oh wow, interesting. Okay, now let's go home and run some missions. So you know, it's that is really what we're focused on, and almost on a mechanical 
level. So while we're active, we're more looking at like, hey, what's the percentage in this system? How is that related to this other system? You know, we can push this faction up. You know, we can get this effect. We can put this other faction up. Um, I, su I suppose that relates to the fact that because many of the groups that um, that we've talked to in the past, um, essentially they they have a uh, a group um, or a, a faction in the game that they identify with. So they have a player faction in the game. Now, actually, and you know, we know this, and this is possibly one of the um, one of the things that doesn't quite, in my mind, isn't quite synergetic in in the game. Um, the the fact that you are you identify or affiliate with a faction and say hey i'm part of them um actually that has no meaning really has no in-game meaning other than the, the meaning that you are you you know you ascribe to it um so for example um if you're a, a hut and trucker then the fact that you are part of you know, the the faction associated with them you could be part of the faction that is opposing them if you wanted to. It would make no difference to, um, it would make difference to your gameplay. But it, you you don't gain any additional tools. Do you see? Do you see what I mean? There's no, there's no extra kind of, wow, look, I, I get to wear the flag, or you know, or I get an extra control panel, or something else like that. So the difference here is that, um, correct me if I'm wrong, AEDC basically. Um, they affiliate with different factions that are in the background simulation, but none of those factions are actually AEDC's representation in the game. Am I right? That takes it too far. But it starts, okay, okay. It starts it start, it somewhere because okay. the, 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 the reason is, is that we started so early. Right, yeah. So we started so early that uh, we started before there were any player minor factions at all. Yeah, in the yeah, game. sure. So, um, we started first of all actually by pushing what we supposed would be good for uh, power play to assist yep. uh, our power play allies uh, in the BGS by flipping everything to alliance. Then power play yep. came out and turned out the mechanics worked entirely differently and then helped <laughs> them flip in, in a different direction. Um, but because power play itself was never particularly engaging to us, um, you know. At the time, many people did run for Mahon, but um, when I got by the group, it was there was no expectation to do so, and that really petered out. It was really focused on the BGS, and yeah. the point of it was is that we started to focus on a particular type of faction or, or, or a couple of factions in particular. Um, the way that was really done was to have a focus for the group while continuing to sort of help and promote BGS play within the group beyond that. So, you know, we started supporting Wolf for our six transport and go and yep. um, LHS 2541 Alliance. Yep. And, you know, one of the things that we've actually asked for for a very, very, very long time is faction mm. affiliation. So the right. idea that we're not emotionally tied to these factions is not correct. We have a lot gotcha. of history and stories with them. Gotcha. But it's always um, a procedural faction, if you like. I see. And I see. When player minor factions did come out, we actually requested to recognize a number of the factions that we were playing at the time, including the two that I just mentioned. Yeah. But um, Frontier only allowed one of them um, yeah. to be recognized, which is Wolf Force, Six Transport and Co. Um, yeah. 
that's also how we got into the dangerous games on the basis of the size of Wolf Force Expansport and Co. Um, at the time of the selection. Well, it, it, it demonstrates really the way in which they kind of see the model, doesn't it? Because, of course, I think what they are seeing is, is possibly a similar assumption to the assumption I, I've made, which is that, you know, people want their, their, their player faction um, to be the sole thing that they're looking to develop. So they're actually looking at, um, you know, one particular group only within the game in terms of how they're, they're working. Whereas um, uh, you guys are essentially are, are looking at it slightly more holistically. Um, well, that... I, don't think, I don't think that Frontier is necessarily placing a judgment call here. This is primarily sure. based around the mechanic of who gets inserted where. Yeah, no, sir. Right. No, sir. Sure, no, no, sure. No, let, let me explain because it's okay. actually an interesting example. Um, because of one being um, an official one and the other faction not, mm. and one of the latest rounds, we saw that a couple of factions, a new player of mine factions, were rejected because they chose a system that Wolf Force Six Transport had expanded into. Yeah, yeah. But there was. Um, LHS 2541 Alliance combined had four mm. factions actually inserted into I see. Um, yeah. that, that faction. Now, and I want to be, make it very clear because this has been misunderstood on the forums a little bit, is that we don't object to those factions being inserted. Sure. The reason why we thought that that was unfortunate was because we really enjoy and encourage BGS play for everybody. Yeah, gotcha. Okay. And uh, it's kind of cruel to place four um, yeah. Yeah. factions right in the middle of one of the biggest BGS groups. That yeah, with you. So, so the parallel I draw there is, um, and you know, I, I've I've said many times on the on the show that um, I come from a LARPing background. Um, we had two particular groups who are particularly. Um, strong pvp players when we were, were playing a particular event and for some reason the event organizers decided to put a new group camped pretty much next to us uh, <laughs> our group took one look at them and went i i doubt we'll see you at the end of the weekend and um true enough the other group that was camped in the forest behind us uh, gradually over two evenings uh, a war of attrition went on whereby 15 people, you know, lost their characters and pretty much that camp was abandoned. Um, so, yeah, so there is a, a kind of, you know, in, in that, 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 that was the nature of the game. That was the PVP game of, of what was, what was being played. And I'm sure they had very exciting deaths as they were, uh, murdered in the woods. But, um, the point was, was that, you know, it actually for, for them, as a new experience, it might not have been the best place for them to, to set up, um, which I, I think exactly. would be a parallel. Yeah. Exactly. I, we're, we're not nearly as cruel as that. You know, like, <laughs> like, you know we, we had a, a couple of times where um, players supporting a procedural faction mm. made it a little bit easier for them um, to move. Mm -hmm. um, we actually took them sort of by the hand and said, like, look, we're Please. kind of really close to Seoul, and I understand that you find that interesting, and everybody kind of wants to be close to Seoul, but that gets a lot of traffic, and you're like three guys. 
Yeah. So, you know, how about we look at a system that doesn't get a whole lot of traffic? You know, you actually see a little bit what you're doing. You know, you can muddle a bit. You can even make mistakes and, and nobody yep. cares and will destroy your, your little territory. And you can get, you know, used to the game. And if you later want to pick up another faction that is a little bit closer or even want to delay your PM, PMF until you get a bit of the grips with the game. Sure. You know, and by all means, you know, find yourself a, a team of people, apply your skills however you want. And you want to play mm. with the big boys. <laughs> you know, you're most welcome. Yeah, and I, I think, I mean, ultimately, these are tools in a game. You know, I mean, that's that's kind of the point, isn't it? You know, these are, these are tools in a game. And therefore, if the tools are there, and, you know, you find this with, with any game, really, and any... Uh, it doesn't have to be computers; can be anything. If the tools are there, then actually people use them, and that's part of the part of the reason to play. Um, so, what is, so, what is so fascinating about the BGS, if mm. I may, is that it is a bunch of fairly simple rules. You know, some of them are time-based, like how long it takes for a pending conflict, then it goes active. How short it can be at the shortest, how long it can maximum go. Uh, you know what you can do to counter a certain state, um, what is good or, you know, what type of mission reward you should pick to have the biggest effect. These are actually fairly simple rules in how you move factions and how, how you make this, uh, um, uh, factions you know, move this way or the other or change states. But once they are in multiple systems, and I start mm. to interplay to get together. So, you know, you may not be able to get into a conflict with a faction because it's placing a conflict with another. And the only mm. way to end, end, end that may be missions because that one is a, a elections, whereas another one is a fighting conflict uh, or is in lockdown or civil war or even famine and, you know, all those types of things. Mm. That sort of interplay of a bunch of, say, 12, 15 fairly simple rules all together make for this fascinating gameplay that's the background simulation. Well, it's, it's certainly interesting to me currently as a working model too because um as as some people know uh i'm lead writer on phoenix point by snapshot games which is due out in 2019 and one of the things that we're doing is we're currently writing the um uh what's essentially known as the uh the geoscape which is um this apocalyptic world map uh, for 2047, where three factions are dominating human civilization, and the interplay between those factions is part of how the player wins against the uh, the alien virus. So, finding ways to uh, to understand how the interplay works between different entities that you create within a game is is fascinating, and it can be something that you know that's really important when you're you're attempting to you know either strategize or to tactically uh, push forward in, in terms of what you're doing. Well, what for us as a group would make this game from really, really very good. I mean, all of us like play the BG, like BGS gives meaning to what we do, right? Like the support yeah. of the factions, which means that all of us have like hours and hours on this game. You know, I myself are running in like absolutely ridiculous, like multiple thousands of hours just because you want to move your faction, right? Mm. And um, to get from that level that we already enjoy to absolutely beyond epic, probably the best game we've ever played in our lives, is if 
um, there was this sort of knowledge in the wider community of this gameplay as hmm. well as the stories that would actually flow from it. Yeah, that's 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 the point I wanted to turn to next, actually, which was the the narrative element. So um, we've spoken in the past. Uh, we had a, a conclave at LaveCon where. Um, we spoke quite extensively with with a number of groups, and um, one of the things that came up, particularly with the um, with the buckyball racers, and also with with Hutton, um, was that both groups spend a lot of time um, devising content for their members, and so essentially creating stories, creating content within the game in terms of um, you know. In, in terms of things to do um, and the nature of the sandbox of elite obviously um, kind of encourages that because you're you know you're never going to be the hero of of the universe you can only be the hero of your own story in terms of the way in which it works how does that because I noticed that you mentioned you know the importance of that narrative or creating narrative how do how does AEDC generate narrative um, in a similar way uh, we do this through the BGS. I mean, one of the most remarkable okay. thing, like not just AADC, but other alliance groups yep. uh, in, in general, have grown the um, alliance from about 1.2 to 1.17, according to a DAV live stream um, when, we went, when the game went live, to 4.5% today. That's mm -hmm. like three and a half, four times the size. That doesn't mm -hmm. happen by accident. Sure. Right. And those things create stories, right? Yeah. Whether it's for our own factions or, for instance, the activities that we've had in the old worlds um, since the start of the game, because we've always been uh, protecting the old worlds in, in that particular mm -hmm. area, which is obviously relevant specifically to you guys. But sure. you know, we know what we know what Lacey one and Lacey two is. We know like Lave one and Lave two. These are, you know, for us have uh, epic stories of battles that happened, individual you know PvP events, but also you know specific. Um, um, BGS victories or you know what was involved hmm. um, uh, we have like medals created within the group that sounds silly hmm. right? no 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 absolutely literally went off and modeled um, um, a medal for our victory at Lasty because we have put so much effort into that one it's it's nothing it's 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 basically similar to the you know um, the the mug you get for for doing the hut and run you know, or, um, or something else, you know, I, and, and actually this is kind of a step beyond where gaming kind of was, um, prior to social media where you had forums associated with games and people would then, um, did, did you ever play, um, vampire redemption? No, I'm a uh, racer, racer guy and simulator guy. Okay, <laughs> right. So, so Vampire Redemption, um, uh, Vampire the Masquerade Redemption was one of Activision's licensed games prior to Neverwinter Nights, and it was a four-player RPG style game. And I, I never, I never like using the term RPG with computer games because I don't really think there's um, any computer games that really are RPGs. But you know. Perhaps you could argue with MMOs, but uh, that's aside from the point. The thing is with 
Redemption was that Redemption allowed you to play four players, but it also allowed one of your players to play the storyteller. And what that character could do is they could effectively roam the level that you were in as an omniscient uh, invisible character and create NPCs, create monsters, and the others could fight them. And they could also create scripts and create adventures and so on. So you could actually almost replicate um, a role-playing game experience, um, you know, uh, with a party or uh, using the game. Now, the thing was, was that what that encouraged is that encouraged people to essentially take their characters out of the game a little bit as well. So they would go to associated board forums and they they would um, tell us their adventures and they would, you know, they would talk about their background and then they would talk about what they did this week and what they did this week. And then, you know, and then other characters would come in and then you'd end up with a, a kind of a role-playing going on outside of the game between characters which would then go back into the game and then would come back out of the game and you know became quite fluid um where it broke down a little bit certainly i i think with redemption it might be with with several other games that um that use this was that when essentially the 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 in-game tools kind of didn't suffice and so therefore you ended up just using the forum and if the forum was about controlling a narrative, if you ended up telling a story and the other person was participating in the story, you could occasionally drop into the kind of, I throw a car at you, I dodge that car, and then I throw a car at you, and the car hits you, if you see what I mean. So you essentially, you end up through narrative trying to control each other, and it, it, you, know, you, you can have problems in that regard. But this sounds I, like I, it... I, I, see so I was just going to, yeah, I was just going to say, this sounds like it goes a stage further than that. And actually, I'm, I'm quite encouraged by the fact that it, it goes a stage further than that, because what you're, you're actually describing is um, essentially you're noting the events that are occurring in game, and then you are narrating those events and providing, um, providing a fiction that dresses them. Would that be right? I, Yes, pretty much. Right. Although, what, what, what our real desire would be is like, I was just thinking as you were describing that, is, that's both sort of my and our group's um, wish and nightmare at the same time. Yeah, yeah, exactly. On the one yeah. hand, it would be like, we would love it if Frontier would simply hire a single person that it was good with the pen, that would just troll like the human bubble figure mm. out what's going on maybe look at what's going on in discord look what's going on in the forums just pick up on like hey somebody posted like a declaration of war let's just talk to these guys and get a little bit like what's going on and to a certain extent sagai does a little bit of that but i would love it if that was just part of mm. what frontier does and, and it's therefore yeah like a, a local um news others that are big like are Leave conflict. How is this not on Galnet? This is huge. Yeah, it, I mean, part of that the the issue there is that disconnect. And actually, we we did in the the early part of um, design. I, I was asked a couple of things about how news could be generated, um, and there was some specific concerns. This was this was back when Frontier were. Um, I think we're. It was pre-alpha. Yeah, I'm fairly sure this was pre-alpha. Um, so they were worried about localization in relation to news reporting, uh, event reporting. And 
So one of the things that um, we were looking at um, was this idea of um, events being reported by the database in basically in haikus so that events would be reported in the minimal amount of so you you program a database to report events and what it does is it reports them in like 12 words any event that occurs in the game that that it picks up it reports them in 12 words um and then what that would what you then do is you then transmit that to players and then players would turn those into their own news reports but you did it in such a way as that the players had to buy a module, a news reporting module. And so you could effectively create in-game news stations to kind of generate the, um, the talk of what was actually occurring in the game. And that way, by having that, that level of player input um, and having players have the ability to essentially press send and it appear on the bulletin boards of stations and so on and so forth, you have the opportunity then for player events to, you know, effectively to to become part of that that setup, and you know, and then other players can either buy those those modules or they can subscribe to a particular news generator, you know, uh, um, a conglomerate, and so on. I, I sort of understand their reluctance to do that. Because, yeah, it was incred- you know, incredibly sort of complicated. The ability for, for abuse is, is, is enormous, <laughs> and it can get really partisan. And I will also say that the, um, the actual, some of the procedural stories now have improved enormously from what they mm. used to. Like some of the um, lave um, flip news has been fantastic there was like right uh, the first um, um civil unrest right after the flip was mm. all about how you know you can't trust a radio station to you know run a system <laughs> like people are protesting in the streets and that was really really good so to a certain extent we're sort of more asking for that layer a little bit above you know, i, I, I you know, acknowledgement that they even happened they could even be in passing Right? Yeah, no, I've had no acknowledgement really that the federation is a shadow of what it was, but while still like playing, you know, I, the big cheese in the, in the galaxy, it would be nice if there was some sort of acknowledgement at least of you know, instead of this complete divergence of reality of the game world to the lower world. Sure, I, I do have to burst your bubble slightly there in that, um. I, I will admit to the fact that um, members of the radio team did actually submit. Uh, I think we submitted. There was the um, there was a um, what was it? it? Was a community goal, wasn't there? It was a community goal um, about a month or two ago that came out that essentially was uh, was beneficial to to Live Radio Network, but there was also part of it that was against Live Radio Network. And we'd submitted the text. BGS-wise, by the way. BGS-wise, they both both benefited you. Oh, did they? Uh, I've I've no idea about the implementation. But we did submit the fiction. You know, we did submit Mm -hmm. the blurb. Um, And we're we're quite happy, you know, at times to to submit the blurb in terms of um, the, you know, whether it does up, does down. And honestly, and I mean, that's part of what we talked about in episode 205. Um, the way in which people are perceived when it is characters that are being perceived in the game, the way in which people are perceived, actually, that has to be part of the entertainment. Um, as long as people understand the difference between those characters being characters in the game and 
people in real life. Um, usually the commander name helps with that. I mean, there are some exceptions. I'm an exception to that, but, but for most people, um, uh, yeah. So, um, uh, you know, it was, uh, was interesting, but, um, yeah, um, it's certainly the, I think, I think the thing that, you know, that, that sort of comes across from about this and also from, from what you're saying, you know, in, in terms of what's there, um, what we're talking about here is is making use of the in-game tools as much as possible and trying to create an in-game fiction at the same time understanding that um the out of game considerations of people having real lives are are absolutely you know separate to to that that thought uh, would that be your your take oh absolutely yeah. I mean, to a certain extent the lore that we create first of all we know that it's you know player fiction right yeah. like we don't expect any of our lore to be taken seriously sure you know, we made ross 128 a museum we did never expect that to change in game without anybody actually talking to us right we would be more surprised mm -hmm. than anyone mm -hmm. um uh so for, it's it's very much just a a, a way for us to play the game have a bit of fun you know create some lore know that it's not really true but it's as i said even in the very beginning they're, they're kind of justifications for us um after the fact like the whole point of us for us is like let's set some crazy goal like mm. the original goal for ross 128 actually originated like way back as sort of a very vague ha 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 wouldn't it be fun to take salt you know mm -hmm. nothing particularly serious and then we started expanding a little bit further south and the mahon snipe happened and so like can we do that Sure. So, you know, and then you expand 12 times in a certain direction. You take Ross 128, which was a permit system, and we thought that was pretty damn interesting and let the world know. And we were delighted at that point that, you know, the Federation, or at least a couple of player groups, came out to, mm -hmm. um, you know, come play with us. That would have been awful if it would have been an article on the forums in the lore section that nobody cared about. So there's an interesting sort of concept here, and this is again is an area where I'm going to have to relate it to some of my um, my 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 other game experiences, as it were. Um, when you're when you're engaging with these kind of because um, it it is a kind of player versus player um, uh, player versus player experience in that what what you can find is that if you are supporting a particular group and another group of players are supporting a different particular group in the same system, you're playing a kind of asymmetrical PvP conflict in a way. Um, would you describe it that way? Would you see it like that? It's at least three-way. Right, right. The three-way is that there's, uh, depending on how much traffic, of course, there is in the system, there are yep. usually way more people around especially yep. in high traffic system that are doing mm -hmm. things that have nothing to do with the conflict at all. Right. In Lave, we are, you know, playing with and against it, both of us against yep. a whole troop of people who are just coming there to get Lavian for the en uh, engineer. 
right? Yep. Or do a bit of rare trading across the yep. old world. And, you know, probably right now a little bit ticked off that they can't get any. Um, but uh, that that's actually quite important because I think a lot of the times, especially when we're talking about player minor factions mm. that are associated with the player group and only play that faction, mm-hmm. um, there's sort of a sense that every movement can be an attack on them. Right? Mm. But a lot of the times, it's just some guy that wanted to do a little bit of bounty hunting and just yeah. happened to be in your system that day. Yeah, and, no, I, sure. I, I, what I, I guess where I, where I was going is that um, with in other games where you end up with a where you have a, a an in-game persona where you have an in-game you know sort of um, set of tools in get you know you log in you have an in-game character etc cetera, etc. Cetera. Uh, there is occasionally a tension, and I noticed this in computer games because of the nature of them being remote. Um, and it's less so in games where you have active participation and you have individuals around a, a board game board or around a you know in a role playing group on a on a Sunday night or, or however you, you you sort of place it. Um, there is always a, a tension between whether you are competing characters that people are playing or you're competing against the people, and that tension tends to arise when people don't know each other. Um, so I guess um, what, I'm, what I'm getting at is that um, there's a term in, in LARP that we have called two-thirds, um, which is if you're, if you're having a, a massive fight, if there is you know, one nation versus, versus another nation, when those two nations know each other out of character, when they do not, you know, when they've, they get on out of character, but they know they're both playing roles of opposition so they're playing you know people who hate each other but actually they can go and have a beer when the game's done afterwards what happens is when they get into a fight um two-thirds is a is a style of larp fighting that is cinematic and heroic it's where everybody slows down a little bit and suddenly the fighting looks amazing and it's actually a really good experience for people who win and a really good experience for people who lose um, I'm kind of wondering what you obviously there is, you know, we're in agreement that we're playing a game and we're trying to, to make use of the tools that are there. Um, but how do we get to a stage where, you know, the people that are on the other side don't get, um, get a good experience from losing? How do we make that happen? There was a lot of good stuff in there, and I actually had a really interesting moment of understanding, uh, which I should have had because I listen to the show all the time, and there's lots of role-playing and role-playing board games and stuff like that, which I never get and never was really a part of. (laughs) But I just had this thing. It's like, we're kind of meta above that. We're sort of more like risk in space. Gotcha. Yeah, yeah. Some people say spreadsheets in space about power play. We are like databases in space. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So for us, we're 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 much more mechanical. And of course, you know, we play a little bit of role. You know, like Mm -hmm. 
I, I am my character in Discord. And you get yeah. some in-game, in-group in things. But you yeah. know, I'm, we're not that, as I think you're here from like the way that we're sort of explaining our gameplay. Yeah, yeah. Is that we're, we're sort of not even playing that. We're like the guys with like the pen and paper. We're not even looking at the board rolling dice. Yeah. Right? Um, so for us, this is like entirely not personal at all. Yeah. Right? Like we're sort of a little bit reacting at times to how certain things have been portrayed or like, you know, we had an mm -hmm. event in Ross 128 where, you know, we beat like code three times out of the system. They finally hit the remnant of us. Bang, it's a video on YouTube and a big drama <laughs> and everything. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Which is all good, you know, like I enjoyed yeah. it. And I was actually super happy somebody recorded it on video because I didn't have right. any of it. Yeah. So it's like, you know, all fun and games in, in, in the game. You know, we wouldn't be doing PvP if it wasn't fun for us. We know PvP yeah. is useless when it comes to BGS mechanics. So while yeah. we have a couple of guys having fun with PvP, we have, you know, 10, 20 other runners doing missions or doing something else, gotcha. doing something that's actually effective. So for us, this was really us almost like an invitation to play with you over a very important lore system. Yeah. You know, like Lave is important to everybody in the game. Like there's a reason why Lave Radio is called Lave Radio because yeah. people have, you know, Personally, I didn't play the older games, but there's people that have, you know, go all the way to like 9084 or, you know, mm -hmm. what the status of Lave in the pre previous game or, you know, it flipped to Alliance this way or the other, you know, your book, all of these things. Everybody comes to Lave as they come to Lasty and Deso for, you know, all kinds of reasons, nostalgia yeah. or, or these things. And it's always been a, a hotspot in the high traffic area. Um, so, you know, for us, there's sort of like an expectation that when you take leave, you want to come play, right? This yeah, is, yeah, yeah, yeah. This is yeah. like a big lore system. You're not yeah, the yeah. only one here. You want to be playing. I'm seeing what you're saying, yeah. Post, go play out in the yeah. fridge, find yourself a B3 Hydro, whatever. Yeah, exactly. I see, things, yeah. And you'll have fun forever by yourself. <laughs> yeah. No, I, I see what you're saying. I think the, but the, there is and you know forgive me for for using the same word in a different context but there is again there is an asymmetrical perception in that regard because of course um on one sense you're talking about a, a very a very kind of um a very high position as it were you know taking taking um taking a survey of the of the circumstances of the of the area based on a, a quite a dispassionate high position um, so that you can see everything and the, you know, what's, what's going on. And on the other sense, you have the, you know, the single commander going in, deciding they're going to, you know, fly their ship here, fly their ship there, do this here, do this there. Um, and, you know, and the, the, the sort of specific narrative of those individuals, which of course you've, you, you know, you've got as well. Um, I guess the, the thing is, is that, in some senses there is a outside of how you've harmonized those two things within your own group there is a little bit of a, a disconnect because i don't think people necessarily you know and i'm speaking for people that that i know i don't think necessarily people understand this kind of very dry tactical or, or strategic uh, way of looking at 
the BGS system? I think what happened is like it caught us actually a little bit by surprise. Um, interestingly mm. enough, I started a thread in the BGS for in mm. at the end of March before any of this really kicked off. Um, about you know, I'm kind of a data guy. You know, I shared mm -hmm. a data sheet with you. And, yeah, uh, sure. In, in the show notes, but um, um, where I saw that there was sort of a meta discussion starting to happen. Like there's yeah. a really interesting debate in a way um, happening within the sort of BGS community, or I'd rather I should actually say BGS slash PMF community. Sure. Um, the BGS community has been fairly tight knit and in communication for a long time. You know, mm -hmm. some of them we are more or less in contact with, um, but many of us play in a fairly similar way, like either mm -hmm. for a particular superpower or for a particular government type, for instance, yeah. or, you know, people who did it for the BDS. So yeah. you know, we've run into people that did Hudson or whatever, just because of the, the area that we would play in. And that is all like a little bit more than dispassionate one. And that's sort mm -hmm. of permeated through the bgs thread that used to be the single place where we would all congregate and as the number of player minor factions got in and many of them quite late they started playing the pd uh, the the bgs as well yeah yeah you know many didn't um but the ones that did you know, had a certain way of looking at it. And I think in yeah. many cases identified with their yeah. the faction with their player groups. Yeah, absolutely. Than we really thought. And usually we work around that. You know, if there's yeah. any chance uh, to do so, you know, there's actually a really interesting case of one faction where I've literally expanded about six times around the home system they control. <laughs> and then another Elias faction came in and said, like, oh, I'll have that one. It's like, oh, dude, don't do that. There's no reason to. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I see what you're but, saying. But, but you know, so we try to be, to accommodate um, around it because we want to have everybody to have. You know, yeah, with you. It is, it is getting busier. And um, what has been a little caught us by surprise, let's put it that way, is sort of the intensity by some of the reactions we've seen. You know, yeah. when we stepped on somebody's toe, literally going like, oh yeah, we'll have that system, that looks green, we looked at it for two weeks, doesn't seem to be a whole lot of activity with that PMF, I mean, it's clearly yeah. a PMF, it doesn't, you know, it has a, a particular name. Well, let's do something. This is actually maybe interesting because sort of related to the whole conflict is that when we looked at Aurora, yeah, you knew the code was there. Code has been there forever. They're mm -hmm. a role-playing pirate group. We had yeah, no are, idea yeah. they had any BGS ambitions whatsoever, right? Mm -hmm. We look at the system. The um, the faction is fairly um, dormant. It seems BGS-wise, beyond you know the activity that you have, it's already it's right in mm -hmm. the old world. It's going to have some movement, but you know, got to look at it. And we it was actually ruled by a federation faction. So we were going to flip it from alliance, from federation to alliance, and suddenly step into a, oh, okay, well, if you really want it, that's cool. We'll have a treaty then. You know, that's you yeah. know, typically a little bit the way that we approach things. You know, mm -hmm. layers, the original alliance system, as far as this game is concerned, is a bit different.
Sure. They get a bit sense of what 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 we're, we're how we're seeing it, right? Like we're not out to steamroll the entire mm-hmm. uh, galaxy. You know, we have this thing of paint the galaxy green, but you see, we get, went from like one point seventeen to yeah. one and a half as the mm-hmm. entire alliance or player groups combined. It's not going to happen anytime soon, guys. Sure. Sure. But, you know, that's sort of our gameplay, but it's absolutely true that we have to recognize a little bit more the older BGS groups, not just us, but, uh, you know, everybody is going to have to, you know, recognize and reconcile a little bit the play style that, that we see from some yeah, I think. Groups. I think I think there is a cultural shift that's needed between, you know, even if we, we sort of label a BGS group and a, and a PMF group, there is still a cultural shift that, that that's needed for interstellar politics to work. Because at the moment, if there is just simply a tension between um, this is our system or this is our group, we're playing our group, and we're playing uh, we're playing for the agenda of the faction. There is actually there is a, a you know different set of agendas in terms of the way in which that works. Um, but that's, but that's, that's, they are that's, they are compatible. It's just it requires a. Um, uh, some shifting, as you're saying. Well, and and the thing is, this has always happened, right? Like, yeah. as one would play for government style, another would play for a superpower, another would play yep. for whatever reason, power play reasons. Yep. Right? That has always happened. I think it's caught all of us a little bit by surprise. These older groups that that are 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 quite connected and have these relationships because we're more bound to run into each other. We've mm. just been like we're sort of taking that whole idea for player away you know there are mm. different bgs styles we may not necessarily like it you know we've had mm. times where a system that we have flipped to alliance was under constant attack simply for power play reasons to put some other not even federations faction in place but an independent in place of the right mm. government type for triggers of a particular bubble a highly mm. irritating you know like we're playing like a different game this is yeah not on the same level but you know in the end we worked something out and we're kind of just expecting the same to happen with the um the pdf pmf slash role play type faction you know we can generally work this out right if you're mm-hmm. in an area that's not very heavy lore based or you know or has enormous meaning for you know a particular player group every bgs group tends to work around you know if you do something very provocative or you put yourself (laughs) like 20 light years from soul or you know any of those things where you go like you could have done a little bit of homework you know um Mm. then it gets maybe a little bit annoying but we're all here to play a game and specifically Mm. the bgs game so as bgs players we were always used that not only within each other we had different um, styles, but even more so, we know that we're the minority, like over a tiny layer where we're trying to manipulate whatever everybody else does in the game, right? Mm. It's like everybody contributes to the BGS. So what we're just trying to do is like shift it a little bit one way or the other in the hope that our effort sort of Mm. outweighs whatever everybody else does which could be entirely unbalanced because say one faction is in famine and therefore you know, gets a whole lot more lucrative missions you know the, the interesting thing is that the biggest challenge our group has ever faced was scammer missions out of 90s that was right. the horde following a youtube video that says here you're going to do in 50 million an hour 
or whatever the moment was, <laughs> right? And, you know, basically yeah. everybody, you would never even see anybody, of course, because everybody does that kind of stuff in solo if you're just going to divine credits. And that would just nuke our factions because we own all the settlements. Nuke our factions yeah. just completely to bits. Um, you know, like none of the player wars have ever even come as close as that is stating us. Yeah. So, um, in terms of the the type of gameplay, given that AEDC is a BGS group primarily, but you you know you do engage with with other activities in terms of what's there, what would you say is um, is the kind of gameplay in Elite Dangerous you're trying to encourage? I, it's BGS play. Like we would love for people to first of all understand more about the BGS and the fact that it's there. Like, you know, for me, the the finding out that I wasn't just a commander drifting in space, going from this play to that, but that I actually had an effect on the galaxy. You know, I was in a single place for a while, did uh, some bounty hunting, and suddenly a faction that was the ruler was going up and up and up and up in, in influence. You know, so doing the things that you actually already doing in game, Mm -hmm. For us, it's really difficult to understand when commanders go like, what am I going to do today in game? Like, let's go and do another bounty hunt. Like, really? For us, this is driven by the movement of the BGS. Mm -hmm. So for us, everything has meaning in what we do. That's how we get thousands of hours per commander in the game because, you know, something is happening. It's like, oh, let's run some trade. That's what I'm doing today, right? It's like, this is the fate of my faction or the, you know, two, three factions that I'm looking after. Guys, we need to get some expo together, right? So you're actually completely and constantly involved in this, the movement of, of the factions that are actively happening in game and you're already doing this as a player just in in the game but doing this with focus and attention you know if more players would do this this galaxy would be so much more alive this is why we bring out guides this is how you know when people come um, to our lobby to ask for some advice we you know, take them by the hand a little bit suggest you know where they might play for us like promoting bgs play as uh, uh, one of the core gameplays is you know what we're about we were super happy when um uh frontier brought these influence awards to missions and passenger missions not yeah. specifically even for the, the mechanics themselves although we definitely use them my balance is going down now rather than up um but for the fact that it recognized that this is a legitimate gameplay yeah right? it's in the mission boards influence is a valid choice to make you know come out let's play everybody and what would you say to people who are essentially who are looking to play the bgs system um and might end up in conflict with you come talk to us like you know, people have have like this a really interesting thing. Everybody always plays these these jokes about our name. You know, you should be more diplomatic. You know, it's like yeah, we, we suck at the forums. You know, publicly, that's what politicians are for. We're definitely not politicians. We're pretty decent diplomats. So come talk to us. You know, it may not always work out. And sometimes we have a, a little fight that could be fun. If it's not fun, we'll find um, a, a way around it. 
usually. Um, but generally, if you're not in a lore system, like if, I want to make it absolutely clear that Lave is a very big exception. We're not here to steamroll everybody's, you know, fun and games. You know, if you're in LHS three two five nine, and I'm literally just making up a system just to make it seem entirely random. So don't be scared if that's an actual system or faction that you're in. Um, come talk to us we'll we know how to do um expansions like we are probably if there's one segment of um bgsk gameplay that we've mastered even when um expansions were way more difficult than they are now um is directed expansions we can work around you um yeah Come play. It's so much fun. BGS is so much fun. And I think I think, you know, also it, it's worth bearing in mind that, you know, if two sides end up in a BGS conflict and both sides are aware they're going into a BGS conflict, um, they're happy to step into it and they're happy to to let the best or the you know the best player win. Um, then we're all playing the the game and the game's getting some enjoyment out of it, isn't it? Exactly. And the thing is also, it's like, if it's one with really big power and a lot of smarts or like, you know, knowledge versus a mm. small group, it's over very quickly, right? You just find something um, to work it out. Yeah. If, so it's only when you're fairly evenly matched. Um, like in, in a way, well, you know, without going into too much details, but this conflict has been a really interesting challenge for us. You know, like uh, we are um, both running activities in Lave. We're under significant attack in our uh, major factions, um, but we're still standing. You mm. know, and there's a lot of people involved right now. I think two or five uh, auxiliary mentioned. You know, a number of 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 players involved, and you know, we. Uh, you know, while we've had to change tactics, probably a little bit forced uh, rather than by choice. Um, that has been, you know, very entertaining, satisfying, intellectually stimulating, you know, um, given us a new perspective on, you know, how do you take a loss? You know, like we haven't taken a whole lot of losses um, as a group. And, you know, that's been very interesting to deal with. So, you know, this, is actually probably one of the most epic conflicts that we've been involved with uh, and appreciate everybody playing along with us. Great. And I think probably uh, we'd all wish that um, we'd like to see a bit more coverage of it in uh, in Frontiers news channels, right? Yeah, absolutely. Um, you know, they don't have to pick sides, you know. It could be just like, it would be really interesting, for instance, um, whether Frontier decides to name a new Alliance Admiral. <laughs> I am absolutely fascinated by that. Like the way that storyline went is absolutely adrift. I'm not even going to comment on that. But at this time, like the, when Riri McAllister got named, it was a couple of days before Lave flipped. So it was absolutely still an Alliance system. At the moment, Lave is not an Alliance system. And I wonder what they're going to do, whether even a delaying news. Yeah, is a uh, is an interesting choice. It will be. It will be very interesting. Okay, I think that about does it for us. That's it for this special episode of Live Radio. 
If you'd like to get in touch with the show, then you can email info at laveradio.com. You can contact us on Facebook at facebook.com slash laveradio or on Twitter at laveradio. You can join the Discord chat channel by going to discord.io slash laveradio. Or you can join our TeamSpeak server where commanders come to hang out and chat, teamspeak.laveradio.com. Lave Radio is recorded live on a Tuesday evening at 23.30 BST and streamed out on laveradio.com live. Thanks to Mangle for joining me and for Commander Edelweiss for manning the speakers. Until next time, fly safe, and if you can't do that, fly dangerous. Good night. Two seconds, I'll be right back.